from the American Academy of Dermatology, welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Ben Stoff, Editor-in-Chief. Thanks for tuning in. We're all trying to find the right balance between saving time and providing the best care for our patients. That's why we're excited to tell you about Visual DX. Whether you're trying to solve a challenging case, engage patients by showing them medical imagery that looks like them, or look up the latest treatment options, Visual DX is here to help. Your peers have said recently that you can just see the sense of satisfaction and understanding from the patient while using Visual DX. Try Visual DX for free for seven days, then get 50% off a yearly subscription. Visit visualdx.com forward slash AAD to get the AAD discount. That's visualdx.com forward slash AAD to get started today. Welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I am Dr. Brad Glick, and I'm a board-certified dermatologist and clinical assistant professor of dermatology at the FIU Herbert Wertheim College of Medicine in Miami, Florida. I will be your host. Today's topic is coding updates 2024. As we approach the end of this year, dermatologists must gear up for some significant updates in their practice management coding software for 2024. In this discussion, we'll delve into crucial changes that will directly impact dermatology coding. Let me introduce a few of these. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the National Center on Vital and Health Statistics recently announced noteworthy updates to the International Classification of Diseases, 10th Revision, Clinical Modification, the ICD-10-CM, effective October 1st, 2023. And we should know all about all that. In essence, 433 code changes were made. However, with only a handful directly affecting dermatology diagnosis coding. Fortunately, chapter 10, which focuses on diseases of the skin and subcutaneous tissue, L00 through L99 remain unchanged. However, a substantial shift in reporting follow-up encounters after a patient has completed treatment for malignant neoplasms is a specific area of interest and change. And you may recall that for a very long time, dermatologists faced limitations in reporting such encounters with expectations to be reimbursed unless they could demonstrate that the patient who presented with other problems that were addressed during the encounter less the service is deemed not necessary and therefore denied for coverage. The good news is that after a lengthy four-year deliberation process, the CDC and the NCVHS approved the American Academy of Dermatology, American Academy of Dermatology Association's request for a new coding guidance that allows reporting patient follow-up encounters after completed treatment for malignant neoplasms even when there are no additional findings during the encounter. So with all of that said, joining us today to discuss the coding updates for 2024 is none other than Dr. Alex Miller. And as you know, Dr. Alex Miller has been in practice for 40 years in Lorba Linda, California. His practice is focused primarily on dermatologic surgery, including micrographic surgery, he has mentored hundreds of dermatology residents, both at the Long Beach VA Hospital Dermatology Section and subsequently, and now at UC Irvine, where he's also holding the rank of clinical professor of dermatology. 
More important, Dr. Miller is our leader in coding and billing for our academy. He is the academy's primary advisor to the AMA CPT editorial panel, and he has written over 90 articles on coding in dermatology world. So Alex, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate all this amazing work that you do on our behalf. So let's jump in and talk about coding for 2024. Well, thank you very much, Brad, and thank you very much for inviting me and for the Academy for inviting me. Anyway, so here we are with the ICD-10. Previous to October 1st of this year, which is when, by the way, the ICD-10 modifications become active. Unlike the CPT, the CPT, typically modifications to the CPT, that is the new manual, is valid January 1st of each year, whereas the ICD-10 is modified and active October 1st. So on October 1st of this year, we experienced a paradigm shift in how we can report important and necessary, medically necessary, follow-up encounters for patients who have been fully treated for a skin cancer, be that a non-melanoma skin cancer or a melanoma skin cancer. Now, prior to October 1st, this was not an option. If we were to see a patient for a follow-up and say melanoma follow-up, that visit if coded only for a personal history of melanoma, would not be reimbursable because the follow-up codes, that is personal history codes, are, were not in and of themselves reimbursable if billed by themselves as the only code. Now, as Dr. Glickman mentioned, consequent to intensive work by the AADA work group, as of October 1st, we now may bill for exclusively a follow-up encounter evaluation and management of a patient who has been fully treated for a previous skin cancer without adding any other diagnostic code. And we get those types of patients. They come in, let's say a melanoma follow-up, they come in, we asked him for a chief complaint and said, I'm doing fine. I don't have any spots. I'm happy. I'm here because you asked me to come in. And of course, this is a medically necessary surveillance. We now can build just that surveillance as zero Z08. So code Z as in Zorro, 08. In addition to that primary code, we will then also need to include the specific code delineating what kind of history of skin cancer that person has. So let's say a history of non-melanoma skin cancer. You would first code Z08, followed by secondary code of Z85.8. 828, which specifies personal history of other malignant neoplasm of skin, meaning basal cells, squamous cell, adnexal tumors, carcinomas, etc. Now, if a person's had a melanoma history, 
and it's been fully treated, that's the key, fully treated, then one would report Z08 followed by Z85.820, which is personal history of malignant melanoma of skin. Then there's one other specific personal history code, and that is Merkel cell carcinoma. Let's say the patient's in remission, they've been fully treated, they're here for follow-up, you would report that with a Z08 followed by Z85.821, personal history of Merkel cell carcinoma. Now, it's important to realize that these codes are to be used in instances where the patient has been fully treated and the cancer presumably no longer exists or is no longer identifiable. If the follow-up identifies a troublesome lesion, then that would need to be reported as the primary diagnosis and not the Z08 code. One could still report and should report the personal history of malignant neoplasm, whichever one it is, in addition, but the Z08 would no longer be pertinent because there is a new condition to report. Now, if there's a aftercare or an injury code, these are reported uh, differently for subsequent encounters and these codes are not pertinent to them. Now, they're not procedure codes. And if there is a procedure done for whatever that is, uh, then uh, a corresponding CPT code would be reported. And I think really that's about it. There's another new code Z09, encounter for follow-up examination after completed treatment for conditions other than malignant neoplasm. And we in dermatology are very unlikely to use that particular code. So really relevant to dermatology is that Z08, for encounters for follow-up exam after completed treatment for malignant neoplasm, followed by a specific personal history of whatever type of neoplasm it was. And that is it about that portion. Yeah, I think it's great that we actually have that change because just as you really very well described, I mean, it happens to me a lot in clinic, whether it's basal cell, squamous cell fall, patient comes in, history of melanoma, full body skin examination, Left alone, you know, we wouldn't get reimbursed previously for this. And, and you know, we'd have to be thinking, but do we have to code other things? And then obviously we can do what we normally do, which is evaluate these patients, make sure they're fine and follow up. They don't have any new complaints. And, and I think this is really a win for us. So thanks for uh, reporting all that detail. And I think our, our listeners will really appreciate that. What other diagnosis section updates are there, whether we're looking at direct or indirect impact on dermatology? Well, I think the ones that are most pertinent to dermatology and certainly pertinent to our billing paradigms and reporting of appropriate uh, level of evaluation and management service is uh, a section on social determinants of health. Now, social determinants of health are conditions, varied conditions, that are included as a component of the MDM table, that is the table that we use, three column table, that we typically use for determining a level of evaluation and management uh, service delivery. 
And as one may recall, there are two ways of determining ENM services for outpatient services, and that is the uh, medical decision-making table or the MDM, which is a three-column table, or time. I will not go into time at the very moment, but if one were to peruse carefully the MDM table, one would see that the last or the third column is risk of complications and or morbidity or mortality of patient management. So you will notice at the level four or 99204-99214 level, which is moderate level of service, there is a bullet point and it says diagnoses or treatment significantly limited by social determinants of health. Well, that would have to be documented in the chart. However, there is a plethora of Z codes in the ICD-10 now available that will describe a variety of social determinants of health that may be influencing the patient's ability to receive and or carry out recommended follow-up or treatment. And these are all Z codes. Here are some examples. Z59.82, transportation insecurity. That happens. I had patients who couldn't get in. They don't have a car. And it's too far to walk to the bus stop, or there isn't a close bus stop at all. And nobody was available to bring them to the office. Financial insecurity, Z59.86. Z59.87, material hardship due to limited financial resources not elsewhere classified. So these kinds of things, homelessness, Z59.0. Z55.6 is a new code for this year, and that's problems related to health literacy. Now, all of these codes are available and we are free to use them entering such a code on our diagnosis listing would immediately validate our using that bullet point of diagnosis or treatment significantly limited by social determinants of health and could certainly provided one of the other two columns in the MDM table satisfy that level of service, could actually validate a moderate or level four reporting of level of service. Now, all of these Z codes would be reported in addition to the primary diagnostic codes. They're never the only code, but rather they follow everything else that were diagnosing and treating in the patient and reporting as a diagnosis code. There are many other Z codes. They are available in the ICD-10, but the ones I mentioned are, I think, I extracted, I think uh, are more the most pertinent for us as dermatologists to encounter. And certainly it's what I've seen in my office and also at the university level in clinics that particularly treat some of the lesser uh, advantaged uh, patients within our population. Alex, are we just adding this into our subjective information as just some bullets 
And then this ends up being one of our just ICD-10Z code additions. Yes. As for anything uh, that is reported as a billing, whether it is a diagnostic code or a procedural code, it needs to be validated in the patient record. So we would enter something specifying why there is a challenge uh, receiving care or providing one's own care or in filling a prescription, for example. And then that right there validates a social determinant that is interfering with optimal patient care. But we now have the option of also listing a Z code that describes what specifically that problem is and submitting it as part of our list of diagnostic codes. It just makes it simpler for the insurer to adjudicate the claim. Another follow-up question, since we're talking about E&M and you know, our colleagues have concerns about E&M and Modifier 25 and what have you, what about multiple E&M services on the same date of service? Can you talk a little bit about that? Now, this is multiple E&Ms on the same date of service, but not in one contiguous visit that is uh, separated or in different facilities, that kind of thing. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's something that the, the guidelines in the, the CPT tackle under the heading of multiple evaluation and management services on the same date. And their reporting instructions for when more than one ENM service is provided by the same dermatologist or a qualified health professional of the exact same specialty, in this case, qualified health professional being subservient to the dermatologist and belonging to the same practice. And this could be situations where uh, a person sees an individual in one setting and then sees them again in a different setting um, in multiple services in the same setting or facility etc. Now, we have uh, people who are hospitalist dermatologists now, and it is important to realize that hospital inpatient or observation services and nursing facility services are per day codes, meaning that those hospital services, nursing facility services are not per encounter per day codes, but rather they are billed as per day, and only one code of those may be selected and reported per day for a given person. But if one sees a patient in the emergency department, that is the ED, and then sees them again on the same day because they've been discharged in their office, that's a different facility, then that's separately reportable as well. And it's sort of, a, I think, a, really to amplify this, one would need to read that section in the ENM, or I could be talking about it forever. But I think the essence of it is these instructions exist in the CPT, and one should read that portion if one feels that this pertains to them. 
In most cases for outpatient dermatology, we won't be dealing with this, but because we have more and more dermatologists who are participating in the hospital setting, it is pertinent to those, and particularly when patients are seen in an emergency department and then in a different facility on the same day and receive care from that same physician or another uh, physician of the same specialty in their practice or another uh, nurse practitioner or a PA. Wonderful. Appreciate that helpful information. Let's jump into a couple of areas that I think are really important. We know that the AMA released the CPT coding updates for 2024 that are effective January 1st, as you alluded to before. Let's look at some of these changes that I think are really impactful on our specialty, particularly as it relates to special dermatologic procedures. Talk to us about the upcoming changes in the 96920 series uh, as it relates to the use of laser, like eczema laser. Yes, this is, I think, what will touch upon dermatology most as a revision in the CPT. And this is something that happened. It came as a rewriting and uh, reconceptualizing the 96920, 96921, and 9692 CPT codes for a laser treatment of disease. Now, I'll make the setting for this by stating that up until this coming January 1st, 96920 and the additional 21 and 22 codes were defined as laser treatment for inflammatory skin disease, parentheses, psoriasis, close parentheses. Now, one well knows if one treats these kinds of diseases, particularly with a laser, that there are other diseases that can be treated and successfully with laser, particularly uh, the UV laser. And those include vitiligo, uh, which uh, has the most uh, significant body of literature supporting treatment of vitiligo with the eczema laser, which is a uh, UV uh, laser and uh, 308 nanometer delivery. Well, the panel, the editorial panel of the CBT considered this and issued a redefinition of the rewording of the code for 96920, which has now been modified for January 1st from laser treatment for inflammatory skin disease, parentheses, psoriasis, to eczema laser treatment for psoriasis, semicolon, and then the total area. 96920 is for uh, total area less than 250 square centimeters, 96921 is 250 to 500 square centimeters, and 96922 for over 500 square centimeters. But what is most crucial in this redefinition is now the CPT has a hard and fast stipulation, eczema laser, which is 308 nanometer laser. It's, it's 
That is, excimer lasers are UVB lasers, basically. And as a group, they're used not just for dermatology, uh, but they're used in ophthalmology and potentially other fields as well. But in this case, it's excimer laser treatment for psoriasis, which clearly and very finitely states for psoriasis. This code is not to be used for any other disease condition other than psoriasis. The previous code, which we have now, has parentheses psoriasis, which actually by CPT convention also meant it should have been used for psoriasis only, but it was quite commonly used to report vitiligo and potentially other diseases treated with a laser. Now the code will stipulate much more clearly that it's for psoriasis only. I won't go into the mechanics of how this happened. It happened. It's there. Consequently, what does one do if one treats vitiligo, for example, with a laser? Excimer laser, 308 nanometer laser. That would now have to be reported within unlisted CPT code, which is the way it is, 96999 code. Now, we readily know from experience that insurers are not likely to reimburse for services reported with an unlisted code. Consequent to that, your Academy of Dermatology, realizing that our members and our patients will be substantially impacted if they're having their vitiligo, for example, treated with a 308 nanometer laser, and now that service is clearly not reportable with a laser treatment code. It would have to be reported with 696999. And unfortunately, as I said, it's not likely to be reimbursed. Consequently, the uh, AAD is working on a project to convince insurers that this should be reimbursable with the 96999 code combined with the diagnosis of vitiligo and, if necessary, chart data. And hopefully, we will succeed in uh, this initiative because certainly our patients depend upon that service and that service being covered and reimbursed. You know, Alex, in my experience, the 96999 is nonspecific. Most of the payers don't reimburse it. Some do. Some will even come back and say to use it. Great, wonderful. But, you know, my concern is that a lot goes a hot button right now. We have topical therapies that are available. We have oral systemics that are going to be coming. And so there's going to be an interest in the patients flocking in for treatment. And I'm, I'm really concerned that we're going to be limited our reimbursement. And I certainly hope that we can turn this around. Yes. I mean, I can't tell you exactly what happened at the CPT level because that is proprietary, but I can tell you that um, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, we cannot change it at this point and we'll have to work with it and work with the private insurers uh, to hopefully convince them of the value 
that we are providing to our patients with laser therapy of vitiligo, particularly, and how it should be reimbursed with the 96999 code and appropriate documentation. Yeah. Well, I know our committees, including CPT and the uh, payer committee for the academy is working very hard on this. Let's shift a little bit, kind of a few more topics here. What about an update for our colleagues regarding dermatopathology, surgical path code? What, if anything, is new that's coming uh, for 2024 uh, in that area? Sure. The most important is digital pathology, digitization of microscopic slides, that is glass slides. The rest of the CPT really with respect to pathology is not that changed. But digital pathology and digitization and providing a diagnosis based upon evaluation of digitized slide material is definitely an up-and-coming burgeoning event. And if one has recently taken the MDM, that is the Mohs board exam, certifying exam, one would have found out that it does include a number of digitized slides whereby one can see the entire slide and then focus in on certain portions as well. To reflect that trend in dermatopathology, Dermatopathology has petitioned for and received a publication of a long list of Category 3 add-on codes. Now, Category 3 codes are in the CPT. They're sort of toward the back of the CPT, and they are all followed by a capital letter T. It's five numbers followed by a capital letter T. Now, these codes were established so that people could report and hopefully be reimbursed for digitizing glass microscope slides when that digitized material was used to yield a primary diagnosis. That's essential. And the essence of it is that there's a host host of codes specific for the type of material that is being digitized. Now, let's say for dermatology, most commonly it would be digitizing a regular H&E stain slide and then interpreting that material from that digitized material, not from the glass slide. And that's important. If one digitizes a glass slide for teaching purposes, for the board exam, but does not use that digitized material for producing an evaluation and report on that slide, then these codes are not billable. But when the slide is digitized and that digitized material is used to produce a report, then it is reportable and it would be reported as such. First code would be the category one code, that is the level of pathology. And that would be usually for us 88305, sometimes 88304 if it's a cyst or a lipoma, but for or skin tag, but for mo most things that we see it's 88305. And then because the 
interpretation was based purely on a digitized material that was digitized in-house, then what one would also report 0754T, capital T, to reflect the fact that the material was digitized in-house, and then that was used for the diagnosis and the reporting. Now, if slides are received for consultation, say, and they're digitized, that does not count for reporting that digitization code. One would only report 88321 slide consultation. Why? Because the digitization was not done in the place that is reporting and interpreting that material. So the digitization has to be done in-house as well as the reporting has to be done in-house. Also, there's further clarification in the CPT uh, so that people are not disoriented and uh, claim something that is not appropriate. That is, if they're just images that are digital, but not an entire slide that can be scanned and wide-angled to honed in on, on higher power, but just an image that's uh, received, that's not a digitized slide. Or if it's on a, uh, a phone, smartphone, or tablet as a slide, that's not a digitized slide. And I think uh, that's about it. There, there are further instructions in the CPT. Great, Alex. That's great. You know, we can't finish a coding update for 2024 without talking about a couple of things, and that is... Tell us about Appendix S and, and really augmented intelligence, AI, and what about its impact uh, on coding as we look forward to 2024. Yeah, Appendix S basically describes a series of what paradigms for uh, AI, for artificial intelligence. And it's, it's one of these sections that I would say stay tuned because it is, has been established as a, a, a paradigms of classifications of where a certain type of AI would fall. And as an example, there's AI that not only uh, examines and evaluates the material that's fed in, but also creates a plan of action. That's sort of the highest level of AI because the AI is essentially doing what a human would do and evaluating and then creating a plan of action for a patient. Then there's AI that evaluates and spits out a product based upon the evaluation. And then the human decides a plan of action. That's where we are at, at in dermatology at this point, where we have some products that are used for evaluating a pigmented lesion, for example, with technology and by scanning uh, the skin and then spitting out a uh, risk or likelihood of abnormality that ranges from one to 10, for example, on a scale. And then the physician, the qualified healthcare professional, the human evaluates that spit out and decides the plan of action. So this is stratifications that are now present in the CPT, and they are being used and will be used for then stratifying new technology into these uh, 
clusters to then produce pertinent code. So it's one of these stay tuned events. Absolutely. Well, I got to tell you, Alex, it's amazing how 30 minutes or so goes by very quickly. I, I trust that this overview has provided our audience even more than a glimpse into the significant coding updates for 2024. For the audience, for detailed instructions, consult the 2024 AAD Coding and Billing Manual, ICD-10 CM section, and the AMA's resources. Further guidance is also available at the Coding Resource Center at www.aad.org slash member slash practice slash coding. And for specific inquiries, contact the AADA coding experts at coding at aad.org. And Dr. Miller, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you very much, Dr. Glick. We're all trying to find the right balance between saving time and providing the best care for our patients. That's why we're excited to tell you about Visual DX. Whether you're trying to solve a challenging case, engage patients by showing them medical imagery that looks like them, or look up the latest treatment options, Visual DX is here to help. Your peers have said recently that you can just see the sense of satisfaction and understanding from the patient while using Visual DX. Try Visual DX for free for seven days, then get 50% off a yearly subscription. Visit visualdx.com forward slash AAD to get the AAD discount. That's visualdx.com forward slash AAD to get started today. Thanks again for tuning in to another edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. For more dialogues, subscribe to us through the website of the American Academy of Dermatology, then link your subscription through your favorite podcast app. Remember, the subscription is free for residents. New podcasts are released each week in addition to free special bonus episodes. You can also listen to dialogues online through the AAD website. Thanks again for listening.